Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time to fade the chalk. Fade the chalk. Presented by the FTN Network, helping you win your fantasy leagues and dominate in DFS. And now, here are your hosts, Derek Brown and Adam Pfeiffer. What is up? Welcome into the Fade the Chalk podcast, brought to you by the FTN Network. I am your host, Debro, joined at the hip, as always, by my co-host, Adam Pfeiffer. Update on FTN, the paywall has gone up on FadeTheNoise.com. We have a mountain of content on the site. I know you just dropped the backup quarterback rankings article, Adam, to break out pieces of running backs and quarterbacks on the site as well. My coaching profiles are coming out daily, diving into pace, personnel, etc., covering all 32 teams with the Jets being the last team to drop and the Ravens are on deck next. On today's show, we are going to cover news and our underrated players at each position. So diving into the news... First item here on the docket, Jason Peters is back with the Eagles, ready to soar, moving over to guard, re-signing as a one-year deal for $3 million. He can make a total of six with incentives. What are your thoughts on Jason Peters back with the birds here, Adam? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much seems like they didn't have much of a choice once Brandon Brooks went down. It is going to be interesting to see how he transitions to guard uh, after playing left tackle for so many years, or right tackle for... The Eagles, I mean, the good thing about it is it's not like there's going to be a huge thing in terms of developing continuity with the offensive line because the guy's been with the Eagles for years. It's just, you know, the age and moving to guard, but there wasn't anybody else they were going to be able to get to play guard that would probably be or make more sense than Jason Peters. So it's still not as great as having Brandon Brooks in there, but it's, you know, it's as good as they could have gotten, you know, it's better than getting you know an unproven kind of question mark uh, at the offensive line position. They got Peters, and it, it's it is what it is. It doesn't really change much for me, but it's important that they got somebody to help once and Miles Sanders. Yeah, I mean, I like Peters a whole lot. I'm actually kind of still surprised that he was out on the market to be to be honest with you, because you have a lot of NFL teams that are still looking for ways to patch their offensive line. And so it was surprising to me that he was even still a free agent, but I like the move. Like you're saying, the continuity is there. They know what they have in Jason Peters and his ability to move over to guard position. So I think that he'll do fine there. If anything, he could be league average. His play has not fallen off a ton. But moving over to our next item here, Kelvin Harmon just came out. The news broke that he tore his ACL I think um, with this, I mean, obviously we know he's going to be out for the year. What are your thoughts on the Washington pass catchers 
with Harmon now out for the season. I mean, Terry McLaurin was already like a huge target of mine, especially if I go running back heavy in the first couple of rounds. He is clearly the alpha on this team in the first place, and Kelvin Harmon was probably going to compete with Steven Sims for number two duties, but uh, that's clearly not happening now. So, I mean, this just solidifies Terry McLaurin as somebody who could realistically see 140 to 150 targets in his second season. And then Steven Sims, who was starting to kind of generate some buzz as a sleeper. Terry McLaurin was talking him up himself a couple weeks ago. Came on really strong at the end of last season. Uh, was targeted at a really high rate, especially on uh, a per-route basis. So the fact that he is, you know, unless Antonio you know, Gibson or Gandy Golden or one of these guys really has a ridiculous camper or any preseason, if there is any, he is pretty much going to be locked in to that number two uh, spot, especially since Washington has nothing at the tight end position. So, yeah, I think this just kind of it might boost McLaurin's ADP a little bit, uh, although he probably should have been drafted as a borderline top 20 receiver anyway. And then this will definitely boost Steven Sims, who was going as like a you know final two or three pick for your team. He might go a little bit higher now because uh, there's just not a lot of, you know, this is going to be a concentrated offense for the most part. Yeah, and I think it's going to bump uh, McLaurin's ADP the most. Um, I still think that there's a hard cap. Like, he's not going to probably get it into the top 15. But currently, right now, he's going as the wide receiver 22 in best ball. So I think that this could bump him into more of, like, the wide receiver 18, 19 range. Like, he's going to compete with probably that Court and Sutton. I would take McLaurin, even if nobody got hurt from Washington. Do you think there's an outside chance that Antonio Brown signs here? I could see the, the the rumors being generated. Personally, I don't think that it's probably going to happen because I think Rivera, one, doesn't want the distraction. We know Washington's not going to be a winning team this year. Yeah. And I think that he really does need to see what he has in this team and what he has in the young players. And For dynasty implications, I think this bumps uh, Antonio Gandy-Golden. It creates a clear path for him to start on the outside. It also is going to possibly enable some more check down targets for either Sims like you're talking about or either Antonio Gibson. I think the guy outside of McLaurin's ADP bump, the biggest guy that I think gets the most value bump here is probably Antonio Gandy Golden from a dynasty aspect. But yeah, I don't see AB probably landing here. I just don't see that that that's where Washington wants to go right. as far as with their young players. But uh, speaking of getting into underrated players for the meat of this episode, um, we're going to kick this thing off, man. Talking about former Steelers, we're going to transition into current Steelers. Uh, who is your quarterback that you got to get in here, Adam? It's obviously Mason Rudolph. Um, no. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> I had to write about him in that backup quarterback article. Writing about the combination of him and Duck Hodges last year was not fun. But yeah, uh, hopefully for our sake and the Steelers' sake, Big Ben is healthy for the full season. And... Look, writing about underrated quarterbacks is kind of hard because the guy you're going to talk about is somebody I would have probably picked as well, and then everybody else is kind of, you know, right where they should be. But let's not forget Ben Roethlisberger. Like, the Steelers' offense throughout the the last handful of years, I know they've had Antonio Brown in the past, but they've been pass first. And, yes, they have a really good defense on paper. It's probably going to be like a top three or four unit. But they've had really good defenses in the past as well, and they still relied uh, on the pass a lot more. You have Juju, who's going to be healthy and is still, in my opinion, one of the better receivers in the NFL. Deontay Johnson took a big step forward. He looks to be a real a real weapon. 
And they have guys that can really make Big Ben's job a lot easier in the red zone. I mean, Eric Ebron's a touchdown scorer. They drafted Chase Claypool. Vance McDonald's still there. Uh, not to mention, you know, Juju's going to keep playing out of the slot where he was, you know, he's been really dangerous. So I don't have him as like a top 12 guy or anything, but I've taken him. I took him in SFB and I took him in uh, a super flex draft that we did at F. Nobody would be surprised if Ben Roethlisberger came back this year and threw for 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns. Like, I wouldn't be surprised, especially if James Conner struggles to stay healthy, because if James Conner misses time, I don't see them um, just saying, okay, we're going to stick with the run with Anthony McFarlane and Benny Snell. Uh, So I think Big Ben, like, at season's end, I would not be shocked if he was back in that top 10 range. Yeah, and for everybody that talks about, like, okay, well, the the defense is good, so he's not going to throw that much. Does anybody realize that when he was last on the field and they led the NFL in passing attempts, like, their defense wasn't dust? They were 13th in DVOA, they were a top 10 defense versus the rush, and they weren't bad versus the pass either. So for all of the the reasons to fade or they're not going to have pass volume, we know that Ben coming back here, he's going to have a huge say in what this offense looks like, how much they're going to throw, what the plays are going to be like. So if he wants to throw the ball, if his arm feels good, they're going to throw the ball. Like, that's going to happen regardless of the defense. So... I, I don't see that that as being a huge yeah. deterrent. Um, and real quick, that's reading too much into that, like I'm not about that. So. Yeah, and like I, I, I would love to see it happen. I really would, but I just, I just can't envision James Conner playing a full season. And I don't think, same. I just don't think they're gonna say, all right, Ben, we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, throw, throw, throw with you when we have to. But other than that, just hand the like it's not gonna happen. And I was gonna put Deshaun Watson on this, but he's a little too high end. But I, I'm just gonna say because I've talked about Deshaun Watson a lot in the, you know, three episodes we've had in this podcast, if he, in the draft, falls to, like, that quarterback five or six, just I'm going to jump on him every time because I think he has, like, a legitimate carry-the-team type of MVP season in his in his range of outcomes this year. So, like, where he's going in, in drafts where he's going after guys like Kyler Murray and Josh Allen, like, I, I still think Deshaun Watson is better than them. Yeah, I mean, you, you know I'm all on the Will Fuller train, so you're not going to hear any kind of Watson hate out of me. Moving over to my quarterback, I it's a perennial thing. I'm not going to stop with the love of this guy. I don't care that he only played eight games. I get the health concerns, but I'm still going to buy into Matthew Stafford this year because as I was talking about before we started the season last year, this offense is tailor-made for what Stafford does. And if you saw, I mean, we got a perfect half-season sample out of Stafford last year, and it was so, so good. I mean, before he went down, eight games, weeks one through nine, he was a QB six in fantasy points per game behind Patty Mahomes. He was among the quarterbacks with 100 or more passing attempts. He was second in touchdowns, fourth in passing yards, and fourth in yards per attempt. Daryl Bevel just ratcheted up the deep ball attempts, and Stafford was like, all right, baby, let's go. I know you're going to get into one of his weapons later, but Stafford, I, I, I'm not going to get off the train. I love the guy as long as he stays healthy. He's a guy you're going to draft most probably as like maybe QB 12, possibly in some leagues as a middling QB 2, and he's going to provide you with top five upside based off of what we saw last year. I mean, what are your st- thoughts on Stafford real quick? I want all of the Stafford because yes. I usually do. Um so yeah, you mentioned one through nine, weeks one through nine before he got hurt. Like you said, quarterback six in fantasy. He had four three hundred yard games during that span. He had the highest average depth of target in the NFL at eleven point four. Second most touchdown passes with nineteen. Like 
this offense is so aggressive in their downfield attack with Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones, and not to mention um, T.J. Hawkinson is, is going to stretch the field. Like the offense is so different than it was a couple years ago when it was screens and checkdowns of Theo Riddick and Golden Tate. Like they have, they don't people don't talk about it enough. I think Detroit has one of the best just group of offensive weapons in the NFL. Like, legitimately. Yeah. They're really, really deep. And that's even deeper if they get anything out of the running game with DeAndre Swift and Carrion Johnson. Um, and, like, Geronimo Allison's not a terrible, like, fourth option. Like, he's he's obviously not made to be the number two like he was in Green Bay at times. But, yeah, I, I just think Stafford, I think defense is still going to be a little bit, you know, below average. I know they added some guys after losing Slay, mm-hmm. but it's still a, a defense that I project to be below average. And Stafford just he just gets it done whenever he's healthy. And okay, yes, he's had some injuries the past couple of years. If he gets hurt, you're drafting him like you said as the quarterback thirteen or so anyway. Just pick somebody else up, or if you want, draft Stafford and you know Carson. Like draft two of those top twelve guys, and and you'll be fine. So yeah, I, Stafford to me, considering I love the receivers on that team, I I, I think Stafford is a top ten guy honestly for me this year. So I'm I'm completely on board. Uh, moving over to running back, who's your guy you got to get in here, Adam? I didn't expect this. I, I I just wrote or published a breakout running back article not too long ago on F uh, on FTN. Um, I was really high on Keyshawn Vaughn when he got drafted to Tampa Bay. I thought it was an ideal situation because of how productive he was as a pass blocker in college and the fact that he's playing with Tom Brady. But over the last couple months, Ronald Jones just is getting drafted way later than a lot of these running backs and. I think we still have to, especially with a with a weird offseason, enter this season expecting Ronald Jones to, to be the starter and get the first crack at the job. He still has a lot of ways to go. He's not the most, you know he's not the most, you know, established pass catcher and we know his his pass blocking needs work, but he was pretty explosive when he got the ball five point one yards per touch. He avoided thirty four tackles on two hundred and three carries, had some really productive games and a lot he had a lot this is like completely completely just me remembering from dfs and stuff he had a lot of big runs called back by by penalty too so his numbers could have looked even better uh and i just think like he's i think he's being drafted as like the rb 36 or 37 for me i just want to draft whichever these running backs is going later and lately it's been ronald jones and he's going like like would you rather take like ronald jones or like the marlon max and carry on johnson's i would i would just rather take Ronald Jones, who I think is the starter as of right now. Um, so to your point, he's going as the RB32 right now in best ball, the guys that are sandwiched around him. So uh, who would you take, uh, Ronald Jones or Damian Williams? That's close because we got that report the other day that Damian Jones is, or Damian Williams is going to have a pretty significant role still. I think I would take Williams, but it's like back-to-back, honestly. Like they're super close okay. for me. All right, Ronald Jones or Darius Geis? Ronald Jones. I just I would if if you told me both played a 16 game season, it's Geis and it's not mm-hmm. close, but I just I can't expect that to happen. And yeah. let's be honest, like Washington still has like 48 running backs, so and I, I like Jones. It it just kind of depends. Like right now, his ADP, he's hop Keyshawn Vaughn. The hype is uh, over for Vaughn, it looks like. Jones is actually getting some steam. So depending on how high he gets is what's going to turn the table for me. Like right now, if you're asking me just on paper, who am I going to take? Keyshawn Vaughn's going around after him, and in some spots, maybe two rounds. So 
I like Bond still. I'm still going to kind of lean to that side of it, only because I've never been really big into Ronald Jones' talent. Like, I get he's had a lot of, like, big runs. It just scares the bejesus out of me that we've seen Bruce Arians just park him firmly on the bench whenever he screwed up something, whether it's pass blocking, whether it's fumbling, whether – I mean, just what have you. Like, name off, like, two or three different things. So I, I like the playmaking ability for Jones – it really comes down to how high does his ADP creep up. Um, but uh, on to a guy that I feel like is just never loved on enough, considering how productive he's been. And this year is another instance of it. I know that he's ha- he's coming off the injury with his hip and stuff, So, but Chris Carson is a guy that, that is still not going to get enough love walking into the season. He's the RB21 right now, and considering the production of his last two seasons— that's egregious. He was the RB16 and RB12 in fantasy points per game of the last two seasons. He was a top six runner in efficiency metrics, like evaded tackles, yards created. Dude has been top six in both of those metrics over the last two years. We know what Seattle wants to do, and that's run the ball. They were 30th and 32nd in neutral script passing rates over the last two years. So as much as everybody's out there talking about Oh, well, hashtag let Russ cook. That is not going to happen as long as Carol is at the helm. It will not happen. We have seen a long and large enough sample to know what Seattle wants to do, and that is run the ball. Chris Carson has had the fumbling concerns. I absolutely understand that. But you saw Seattle go back to him even after he put the ball on the turf. I'm not worried about Carwell's hide. That dude is totally replaceable, does not have the juice that Carson has. We've seen a few videos come out. He's already working out. He looks pretty nimble from what I can tell. I'm buying into Chris Carson as a guy that you can get as your RB2, and he has RB1 upside. I understand the injury concerns, but it's still too much of a dip. Where are you at on Carson right now? Because I love him. Chris Carson's been one of my favorite running backs to watch in the NFL for a while now. The Carlos Hyde signing, to me, is more indicative on Rashad Penny's health than Chris Carson and just the running back room in general, because Penny's probably going to start the season on the pup. If Penny was not starting on if like, if Penny was 100% healthy, I'd have a little bit of trepidation with Carson just because they were almost like a split down the stretch last season before Penny went down. But yeah, I mean, Carson is, week one, if Penny's not there, you're looking at 15 carries a game, not touches carries because this team no matter how good Russell Wilson is no matter how efficient he is they're still going to lean on the run he's the unquestioned goal line back in an offense that's going to move the football and his passing game work is is never going to be Alvin Kamara Christian McCaffrey like Austin Eckler level but it's been ramped up a little bit the past couple seasons I think he almost had 40 catches last year which doesn't sound like a lot but for Chris Carson if he can give you 40 catches on top of you know the 200 plus carries he's giving you like yeah, I, I did a I did a mock draft last night. I'm gonna post a lot of the results and some some breakdown on FTN next week. But I wanted to go and try a draft where I went running back, running back, running back, twelve team league. Chris Carson is my running back three. He's my flex, which you can do that in a lot of leagues because he'll go to like the you know the late third, early fourth round in a lot of drafts. And like I would be fine with Carson as my running back two. And if he's my running back three or flex, I mean that's just solid safe production every single week so yeah i i'm i'm like 
that drop there, there's obviously a drop off at running back once you get past like the the Kenyon Drake, uh, Austin Eckler, Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders, Aaron Jones range. But when you get to that next tier where it's like Leonard Fournette, Melvin Gordon, James Conner, David Johnson, um, and, and Carson, Carson's easily the top of that tier for me. Yeah, and I agree. I, I think that, that Carson, the great thing about him is that he falls into that, that lumped tier of guys that have a lot of question marks. And I still feel when you break everything down outside of injury, that that's really the only question mark that I really think that you have to kind of dive into as far as like personally for yourself when you're looking at Carson he has so much less injury like not injury but like other question marks yeah versus a lot of these other and and, and that's why that tier that's why it's such a drop-off because all those guys have question marks right I mean Carson I don't even think has question marks like yeah he has had some injury concerns in the past he plays running back in the NFL so of course he will but Le'Veon Bell we talked about it on the last episode Adam Gase Bad offensive line, touchdown equity hasn't been there in Adam Gase offenses. Um, David Johnson, what what is his role going to be on a new team? Is he going to be used as a receiver? Because that's big for him because that's where he's been consistently really good. Uh, Leonard Fournette, is he going to get traded? Is he going to score touchdowns? Todd Gurley, will he hold up? James Conner, will he hold up? Melvin Gordon, new offense. Um, so all these dudes, mm-hmm. Devin Singletary, Zach Moss is there. Is he going to get any goal line usage? Like all these guys have question marks. I would argue Chris Carson has the least amount of question marks and plays in the best offense out of all of them. You could maybe argue Atlanta, but yeah, I I, I will draft Chris Carson that late third, early fourth, pretty much every time. Uh, and that's what I did the other night and I'm thrilled with it. So I got to give us a little bit of intro here before we get to wide receivers. I know this has been something you've been just licking your chops about. You've probably had this episode earmarked on the yeah, calendar this is the best day of my life so <laughs> so we have to give this man his due let you get your love list everything out so <laughs> marvin jones Floor is yours. So I've been very appreciative of, you know, a lot of people who have followed my work throughout the years, coming over to FTN, reading the content, listening to the podcast. They all know that I'm the number one Marvin Jones fan in the world. Literally have his jersey in my closet right now, not even exaggerating. He is legitimately my second or third favorite player in the NFL. Love the guy. I've loved him since he was in Cincinnati. And it's also just that he's perpetually underrated every single year. So, yes, he's 30 years old. Not going to, you know, be a top 10 guy or anything. But why does this dude keep getting drafted, you know, as like the wide receiver 35, 36, 37 range when he, when he's on the field is consistently like a top 25 guy? He was a top 24 receiver before getting hurt last year. There's just so much upside with him. So Marvin Jones, I looked at his numbers the last two years. So over the last two years, the percentage of Marvin Jones' targets that have come either in the end zone or 20 yards down the field. 2018, 45% of his targets came either in the end zone or 20 yards down the field. 
Last year was at 31%. Like, we talked about this aggressive offense. There's so much upside because he's been one of the most uh, targeted receivers in the end zone since he's been with Matthew Stafford. That Even with Kenny Galladay there. Like, Marvin Jones was two targets behind Galladay when they were both healthy last year before Stafford went down. Like, this isn't like... A Kenny Galladay, as much as everybody loves Galladay, and I like him too, it's not like a situation where Kenny Galladay is the clear-cut number one. It's like a 1A, 1B situation. Yet Marvin Jones is going, you know, ninth round, wide receiver 35, 36, and Galladay's going as a, as a pretty much consensus top 10 guy. I'm clearly going to take the value on Marvin Jones, who just scores touchdowns. He has... He's also one of four receivers in NFL history to have multiple four-touchdown games. So he's going to give you those big games. He's just a good player, man. He's perfect for the system, makes big plays. A little bit, um, I don't want to say boom or bust, because even his bad games, are like, he'll get you like 60 yards. But I just think he's always underrated, um, and I just I love the guy. So he's... He's going to be on all my teams again where I can get him. Drafted him last night, which was like the 14th time. Although, I'm still tilting. We had one of the FTN mocks, and Anthony Miko drafted like a million receivers. And I was like, okay, I can take somebody here and then get Marvin Jones on the way back. And he takes Marvin Jones, like so tilted. <laughs> but yeah, this is this is my this is my guy forever. So I love Marvin Jones. You're not going to hear any bad words out of my mouth. I, the guy is a man press dominator like teams that run a lot of man coverage those are the weeks that you can expect like marvin jones is just gonna go god mode on them uh we saw it last year the, the vikings he just ransacked them david rhodes and trey like, waynes were absolutely sunned in that game oh my gosh and i was so tilted i played kenny galladay and stafford in dfs that week and i should have double stacked it I, I yeah you should have just played the lines i know you should just played the lines you should have just played lines best receiver that was but the I first can't mistake tell you how much my face was melting watch just jones catching four touchdowns like i'm watching the points go up for the lions and i'm like kenny g baby and i go to check the scorecard and i'm like no oh my god i was livid but I love Marvin Jones, man. He's going to have those explosive games, and I know the injury concerns are there. Like, you're probably not going to get a full 16 games out of him. But at where he's going, if you throw him in as your flex in, like, one or two games of the year, and he just blows up and wins the week for you, he's already paid off of whatever you invested as far as ADP-wise in a draft for him, especially in best ball. Like, he gets you those two or three wins in a year. Yeah, he's... he's already paid off the cost. He's, he's done. so good. He's in the year, and he's done. He made my late-round wide receivers to target in best ball article on FTN because, because duh. Um, but, like, people people don't, like, talk about him as, like... Everybody thinks best ball, high-end, upside receivers. They think of, you know, you know, Michael Hardman, you know, Deshaun Jackson, Will Fuller, those, type, those types of players. But, like... Marvin Jones fits that bill. He he sees so many high upside, high value targets, like I mentioned. So many end zone targets, so many targets 20 yards down the field. So, like, I would not be surprised. And remember, I think it was 2018, he was among the league leaders in end zone targets. Before he got hurt, he was, I think, top 10 in end zone targets. And Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, like, at one point last year, I think they were 1-2 and two in touchdowns. Like, mm-hmm. Stafford can easily support both these guys. And I wouldn't be shocked at all if Marvin Jones... 
not outscores Kenny Galladay, because I think Galladay's gotten to the point, and Marvin Jones has gotten to the point, where we have to kind of just project Galladay higher. But I wouldn't be surprised at all if Marvin Jones had more end zone targets than Kenny Galladay this year. Because Stafford, I, I, I watch the lines as much as I can just to watch Marv. But he looks to Marvin Jones first in the end zone. My whole thing with it is if Stafford pays off and he does reach that top five echelon, this target competition, like where he throws to, is so, so concentrated. Like Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay are going to absolutely eat if Stafford hits the ceiling. So, yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. Uh, moving over to my guy that he has been perennially underrated. Nobody loves him, and yet he still puts up fantasy points Every single season, doesn't matter what team he's on, doesn't matter what crappy head coach he has, because he's suffered through Adam Gase. He suffered through the Freddie Kitchens experiment. Jarvis Landry is a stud. Let's get that out the way. So the fact that he is going as wide receiver 29 is just ridiculous. Wide receiver 12, 15, 5, 25, and 21 and fantasy points per game over the last five seasons. What do you need to see, people, for this man to get into your good graces? I don't understand it. Like, if you don't like Jarvis Landry, you must not like fantasy points, and you must not like stats, because there's nothing else that makes any sense to me. I understand that the Browns are going to run the ball more. They are still going to pass. And the fact that they are 12 personnel and what Jarvis Landry showed is his growth as an outside wide receiver last year, he is not coming off the field. Not as long as they could be in 12. Doesn't matter. He can still win outside. Rashard Higgins is not going to take snaps away from Jarvis Landry. Landry has shown that he can win deep down the field. He showed that last year. The guy was seventh in yards after the catch. He, was, he set a career high of 14.1 in yards per reception. He has shown that he can carry this offense. Odell Beckham was not 100% last year. So we know Odell is still going to draw a lot of coverage, regardless of health. Landry is a good receiver. Take the discount and enjoy the top 24 production that he's going to offer you because he's going to beat his ADP. He does it every single year, and outside of injury, it's going to happen yet again this year for a sixth year in a row, and people are still going to sit here at the end of the year and say, oh my gosh, what happened? Why didn't I like Jarvis Landry even more? Well, if you're not on the boat by now, you need to get on it because you're going to be left swimming in circles. I drafted him really late in that draft last night where I went really running back heavy. He went like in the eighth round, and I was like, Two players in the NFL had more targets from inside the 10 than Jarvis Landry last year. Kenny Galladay and Travis Kelsey. Like, that could change with Austin Hooper. That Like, they had nothing at tight end, so that could definitely change. But you mentioned his 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 um, big plays down the field. They used him differently than they did in 2018. He was used way more down the field. So, like, to say Landry's not going to have big plays, I, I know it's a different offense now. But, yeah, he's, he's just always perpetually underrated. You said he's wide receiver 29. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, I mean, you can, and a lot of drafts will go later than that, too, just because people see him and they go, okay, Landry's there, but there's also Will Fuller, and if I'm taking a wide receiver at this point in my draft, I, I want a guy that can have 115 two touchdowns, then that pushes Landry even further down. Yeah, I, I think Landry, I feel like Landry and Marvin Jones are, like, just always on this list, but. 
Well, because people see the sexy names and they want to press the draft button because at the end of the day, then they can sit here and tout their teams, enjoy their draft grades and stuff like that. But it's like if you really like enjoy winning and you like fantasy points, you're going to select Jarvis Landry over whatever sexy name is in that round that you're drafting. But on to a unsexy name, and we're talking about underrated, boring type of players that people just don't love enough. I know we're on the same page here, but Captain Catch and Fall Down himself, Jack Doyle, why do you like him as much as I do for this year? I've been on Jack Doyle for a couple years now, and then Philip Rivers, you know, he was pretty much a lock to sign with the Colts. Um, you know, he does he does just that, and Jack Doyle's a guy who there's a lot to like. So Eric Ebron, obviously in Pittsburgh now. They were obviously both used, but they were used differently. Eric Ebron was just not blocking at all and running routes and playing in the end in the red zone. Doyle was was blocking, running less routes. But in weeks 1-12 to 12 last year, when Ebron was healthy, Doyle was 24th among all tight ends in routes run. He averaged about 19 per game. Then the final five weeks of the year where Ebron was hurt, Doyle ran 139 routes, averaging 28 per game. So he just ran way more routes when Ebron was off the field. And his red zone usage climbed when Ebron was out last year, too. Um, he saw nearly 20% of the team's red zone looks last year. We know Phil Rivers has heavily targeted his tight ends in the past. And yeah, he's had Antonio Gates. That has a lot to do with that. But, um, you know, Hunter Henry's had big games and big usage in the red zone. I think Doyle, like, is he going to be a top 7, 6, 10? Absolutely not, unless a bunch of dudes just get hurt. But he's going in, like, the last round in a lot of drafts. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Jack Doyle was a top 12 guy um, in this in this Colts offense now led by Phillip Rivers. Uh, just because Ebron being gone is a lot bigger than people realize because it's just going to give him the opportunity because they have, what, Doyle and Mo Alley-Cox who they'll use sparingly, but this is an opportunity for Doyle to just simply run more routes. Well, they also have Trey Burton too, but you can't bank on him staying healthy for me, it comes into two huge factors with Doyle. Like you're talking about, the Colts love to use their, their tight ends in the red zone. Like but to, over the last two years, the red zone uh, the tight end position in the red zone for the Colts has garnered between a 33.7 and a 35.8 red zone target share. So if Doyle, like you're talking about, is going to run the majority of the routes for the tight ends, there's not a ton of competition there for him to get these red zone targets I don't think that it's crazy at the end of the year. Doyle could simply be a tight end one based off the fact that he could catch eight touchdowns. If you catch eight touchdowns, I don't care if you have 500 yards to your name. You're probably going to end up as a tight end one in fantasy. Yeah. And that's totally fine. Like, I'll take nine times out of ten on every single week. If you catch a touchdown, you could have 20 yards and you're probably a top 12 guy. So based off of red zone usage alone, much less if you look at this depth chart, it's more brittle than people and more questions that people want to give it. Like, I understand Frank Reich has been everywhere that has a microphone and that will write great words about whatever player that he's just feeling that day. But for as much as I love Paris Campbell, he still was banked up last year. Pittman is a rookie. Hilton is aging and he's brittle himself. So... Doyle could be the guy that simply by availability could get targets. It might not be sexy. Yes, you might have to pinch your nose after you press the draft button. 
But considering that right now he's being drafted as the tight end 20, he is a reason why you could just say, all right, I'm either going to do one of two things in drafts. I'm going to pay up, and I'm going to go super sexy name, and I'm going to get elite, or I'm going to punt the freaking position, and I'm going to take a guy as my last pick or take two guys as my last two picks, or heck, I'm going to look at matchups and I'm going to grab somebody like Doyle who's probably going to be sitting on your waiver wire before week one. He's the reason why you can do that because he's so sneaky in the value that he's going to offer you in those money touches. You can you can just get like Jack Doyle and Jonu Smith or someone like that or Jack Doyle mm-hmm. and, um, you know, Austin Hooper has even fallen lately. I don't like Hooper this year that much, but he's going to be like at least decent. Like he's he's not going to he's not going to kill you. Jack Doyle is interesting because you mentioned like if he scores six, seven, eight touchdowns, he's he's like a lock to be a, a very viable fantasy tight end. Look at Darren Fells in Houston last year. Dude scored seven touchdowns, yep. only had thirty four catches. I would definitely wager that Jack Doyle, even if these guys from the Colts offense stay healthy, I would wager that Jack Doyle is catching more than thirty four passes this year. And Agreed. Darren Fells was the tight end 13 last year with those touchdowns. And he's not going to be um, – he's not in, as involved in the Texans offense as Jack Doyle is going to be in this Colts offense. So Doyle's a guy that I've I've moved down because I had him so high to start. He was like my tight end at 11 or 10. But then I moved him down because I moved guys like Mike Jasicki up um, and Hayden Hurst up. But if I miss out on those guys and just really kind of fall asleep at the tight end position – I will take Jack Doyle. I'll take the the extra routes he's going to run with Ebron out and the red zone usage he's going to see with Philip Rivers there. And I can pair him with anybody if I want to just because, like, you can get TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant, you know, um, even maybe Mike Jasicki, who, you know, we, we love Jasicki, but there's an outside shot at least right away. He won't be a guy you want to start each week. We, we would project that to happen, you know, at some point. But I, I think Doyle is just the fact that he was never really a high, you know, high priority for for fantasy players anyway. But then you have the fact that he's, you know, he's been around. He's boring. He's not explosive after the catch. You already have that. But then the Noah Fants, Mike Jasicki's, Hayden Hurst, these athletic, really, you know, younger tight ends. Um, just their, their their stock is rising, and as a result, nobody's even thinking about Jack Doyle. No, absolutely. Adam, I think we covered everybody. I think that's all of our boring players. I want to thank everybody for tuning in again. uh, We are going to be back on Friday yet again to dive into more players for this upcoming season. It's not always the sexy names. It's not always the, the, the picks that flash. It's fantasy points, and it's understanding where value lies. Uh, We are live on so many different platforms and podcast providers, Spotify, Google Podcasts, CastBox, to name just a few, and we are coming soon to iHeartRadio. For Adam, I'm Derek. We're out. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Fade the Chalk with Derek and Adam. Make sure to follow your hosts and the podcast on Twitter at DBRO underscore FFB at AP Pfeiffer 24 and at Chalk Fade. Smash that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.